الحمد لله وكفى والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدينهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة أما يصفون والسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم part of our nature is that we tend to become very narrow focused as we go through life we see this in our own lives we see this in the lives of the people around us we become very hyper fixated on ourselves we're worried about what happens to us we're worried about how people treat us we begin to think that we're something special that we're something big we become very self absorbed uh, this is just part of our nature and all of us are afflicted with this we can see it in the way in which we re- react to the world around us uh, we prefer to be served rather than to serve we want to be treated well rather than worrying about how we treat others we want people to see us as special and we will convince ourselves that we're special rather than seeing the reality of who we are relative to the universe in which we exist this is a natural tendency of human beings to become fixated on themselves islam teaches us to broaden our horizons to not focus on the pixel but to see the bigger picture for example the pixel is that i want to earn as much as i can i want to eat what i want i want to do what i want i want to go here and go there i want to be treated like a king or a queen or a prince or a princess that's the pixel but the bigger picture is that this world is a test we're not here to see how much we can please ourselves or how much enjoyment we can line up for ourselves on a daily basis we're here to be tested we're here to be tested this is not a place of reward this is a place of test and so what does the deen continuously remind us of that this world is a test and that the rewards come in the hereafter now why do we have to be reminded of that because we become hyper fixated on ourselves how can i please myself at every moment how can i be uh, you know i want everything my way i want everything instantaneously everything is very we're we're very 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 narrow focused but islam is reminding us of what that look you want to be pleased today but keep in mind the bigger picture which is that there is an ultimate pleasure tomorrow you want to be served today but keep in mind the bigger picture that is better to serve others rather than to worry about serving ourselves 
You want pleasure? Keep in mind that the pleasure of this world is passing, but the reality is that there is a true pleasure, which is the pleasure of the hereafter. Now, what's happening in each of these circumstances? In each of these circumstances, our narrow, fixated focus upon ourselves is being broadened into something bigger. In fact, Bilal, I would even say, look at the extreme. What's the extreme? The extreme is, La ilaha illallah. What is La ilaha illallah from one perspective, except a complete refocusing of our, of our perspective to recognize that you're fixated on this, you're fixated on that, you're focused on this, you're focused on that. Let's just erase this whole board. La ilaha. There is actually nothing worthy of worship in the Allah. Expand your horizons and recognize that there is this one Allah that is worthy of worship who's outside of this contingent universe, the box of the uh, created world, and is the creator of everything that exists. So this is essentially Islam. The big picture of Islam is to not become hyperfixated on this dunya, to not become hyperfixated on ourselves so that we consider ourselves princes and princesses, uh, to not be hyperfixated on how we can be served, to not be hyperfixated on how we can fulfill all of our desires, but rather to ask the bigger question, which is, okay, it's, I'm not the object of worship here. There is actually a God that is worthy of worship, and that is Allah. That is where my focus should be. The goal isn't, I'm in a test. I should not be focused on what I can co collect here. I should recognize that there is a place where I will actually wish that I had sent forth all of my good deeds. There's a much bigger picture here. It's not about today. It's about the final day. But we're always worried about today. How can I have everything that I want today? How can I make today the most fun? How can I feed myself in the best way today? How can I uh, make sure that I enjoy today? But the deen is telling us there's actually another day. Al-Yawm. What's Al-Yawm? It's the final day. It's the final day when judgment will actually be held and all of us will have to answer for our deeds. So if you analyze, if you just think about the deen from one perspective, what you begin to appreciate is that the deen is essentially just broadening her, our horizons. We are not little lords, princes and princesses. There is actually, a, uh, there is only one being worthy of worship. This is not the day that matters. Today doesn't matter, yesterday doesn't matter, tomorrow doesn't matter. There's a more important day coming, which is the day of judgment. So continuously, over and over and over again, the deen broadens our horizons, reminds us to not focus on the individual pixel that sits in front of us, but rather to see the bigger picture. The individual pixel in front of us is, I should collect as much as I can, I should serve myself and everybody should serve me. But the bigger picture is what? This world is a test. I should distribute as much as I can because I'll be served on another day. So this is just the challenge. Now, what happens is we as human beings are continuously being torn back and forth. We're just, just undergoing this tug of war. Pixel versus picture, pixel versus picture, pixel versus picture. I go out throughout the world. I'm interacting with the world. My, I become hyper fixated on myself. My focus becomes more and more narrow on the pixel. And what happens? The adhan is called. I'm reminded to drop everything. I turn away from the busy world in which I exist. I turn my face and body in the direction of the Qibla, and I remind myself, Allahu Akbar. That all this stuff that I thought was real, this is nothing. Allah is much bigger. Allah is Akbar, the greatest. And continuously, day in and day out, these five prayers, along with so many other aspects of our deen, are just reminding ourselves to get out of our little box that we create. 
Now, you'll find these boxes everywhere. You, you hang out with the people who are into the houses. They're all talking about houses. They create a little false pixel. You hang out with people who are professionals. They're all talking about their profession, their profession. What did you get? What job did you get? What position did you get? What are you going to earn? What do I earn? That is just a hyper focus on a little pixel. Every one of us is in the same boat. This is just the nature of who we are. We get hyper fixated on the circumstances around us and Islam breaks those shackles because that's the shackle in the end. To be subjugated to the world in which I live, whether that's my stomach or my desires or what the world is convincing me is real, is basically just a shackling. Islam breaks the shackle of the pixel and broadens the horizons to put us into the reality of the big picture. And this is a big deal because this is the essence of what our existence is all about. If I lived my life for every moment, I might be able to succeed in making each moment special the way I want it to be. But what would the reality be? The reality, be that I, the reality would be that I would have failed in the bigger picture. And Islam broadens our horizons and teaches us about the bigger picture. That was all the introdu introduction. Now, part of spiritual training and part of spiritual development is to get us out, is to break the shackles of the pixel and to see the bigger picture. Part of spiritual development is to break the shackle of the pixel and to see the bigger picture. Now, of course, that's already embedded in our deen. The kalima is a big broadener of perspective. There's nothing, not this, not this, not this, not this. None of this is worthy of worship except Allah. So the kalima obviously serves in that way. Every prayer serves in that way. It, say, it serves to widen and broaden the horizon and let us see the ultimate reality. Hayya ala salah, hayya ala falah. Come to the ultimate success. Not your definition of success, not these little successes that you think that you achieve throughout the day, the bigger success, which is the ultimate success, which is the success of both this life and the hereafter. And another mechanism, so one was the shahada, two was just the basic tenets of our deen, whether that be fasting, hajj, salah, zakah, all of it is just the breaking of the shackle of the pixel. All of it is the breaking of the shackle of the pixel. You thought you were on a journey in life, let's break that and send you on a bigger journey so you can reset yourself. You thought your money in your pocket was actually worth what you thought, you know, you, you thought that was the goal? No, the opportunity of that money in the pocket is actually to break the shackle and see the bigger picture that this is a test delivered to you in order to see whether you share it with those in need. So that's where zakat comes in. Anyway, I'm speaking, speaking very metaphysically, but the point here is that you're going to find that continuously throughout the deen, we're reminded of this central concept. As part of spiritual development, we, 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 we continuously harp on this because it's necessary in order for a person to be able to succeed in their goal. And it's essential for a person to be able to um, avoid the things that are going to distance them, from, distance them from their Lord. For example, what's the pixel? The pixel is, there's this opportunity for sin in front of me. Okay, all of a sudden, this person came into my life. I shouldn't be interacting with this person. I know I shouldn't be speaking with this person. I shouldn't be looking at this person or engaging with this person. This pixel now just came in front of me. I can see the immediate opportunity of, wow, this person looks nice, but I can't see the bigger picture, which is that this is going to distance me from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So very quickly, I make the mistake of getting fixated on the opportunity that's in front of me, losing sight of the bigger reality, which is that, this is empty. Although it appears to be real, this is empty. 
Whatever pleasure I'm going to gain is going to be for a moment's time, and it'll, I'll be left buried after I'm done with it, because that pleasure doesn't remain. All, that's left, all that remains is the sin that the person performed. It's pleasurable for a second, and then the, 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 the weight of the sin is carried for, for years on end, because that's the nature of shaitan. He delivers us to the door of despair. He makes everything look as if it's going to be, enti- he, it makes everything enticing, makes it look like it's going to, makes everything look like it shines, but the moment we bite that apple, that apple from that perspective, what happens? Boom, a person is just left in despair. Because there was nothing behind door number one, there was nothing behind door number two, he just simply made us open that door to see what we, you know, to, to, uh, to see whether we would uh, chase that. So, Again, the point here is that we're continuously being reminded to broaden our perspective. And it's important because it makes a, dis- makes a difference in the way in which we deal with every interaction. When, when we're challenged with a sin, we need to see the reality of that sin. When there's a sin, when there's a disease within our heart, we need to see the reality of that disease within our heart. I've given this example many times. It's worth, it's worth repeating. All of us know that, um, you know, envy, envy is something that everybody needs to clean from their heart. Envy burns deeds like fire burns wood. Envy burns deeds like fire burns wood. That's what we learn from the sunnah. Now, how am I going to avoid envy? What's envy? What's envy? Envy, from another perspective, is really just focusing on the pixel instead of the bigger picture. What's the pixel? I wanted that job. Zayd applied and I applied. Zayd got the job, I didn't. Now I'm really upset. I look like I'm smiling. Congratulations, Zayd. I'm so happy for you. But I'm burning inside. Why am I burning inside? Because I went to a better college than Zayd. I'm more qualified than Zayd. Zayd doesn't even come to the masjid. I pray in the masjid. So the whole world is perfect, but this was a mistake. Zayd shouldn't have gotten that job. I should have. And I'm fuming inside. But that's the pixel, right? In the pixel, in the perspective of the pixel, I'm seeing I got a better college degree. I work harder than Zaid. I have more experience than Zaid. Uh, You know, uh, I go to the masjid. Zaid doesn't go to the masjid. So that's the pixel. But what's the bigger picture? The bigger picture is that Allah is the one that decrees. The bigger picture is that Allah is the one that decrees. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided something, when I have a problem with it, I don't really have a problem with Zayd. Zayd is just a mask. Who do I really have a problem with? Na'udhu billah, I have a problem with Allah. Because what I'm really saying is that everything in the universe is perfectly placed, but Allah, na'udhu billah, made a mistake with Zayd. I should have gotten the job, not Zayd. That's really what envy is, Correct. Envy is challenging the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what's the problem here? The problem is is the fact that we get so hyper-fixated on me, myself, and I that we are even ready to challenge, we're ready to challenge Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree itself. Because we don't see the bigger picture. If we saw the picture, we would say, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala always decides what's best. He gave this person that job. It is best for him. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give me something better. So long as I maintain my faith in Allah, because Allah always decides what's best for every believer. Isn't that the bigger picture? Instead of hyperfixating on a pixel, isn't that the bigger picture? Okay. By the way, all of this is still background. I haven't gotten to my point. 
Now, multiple ways by which we expand our perspective and get and, and break the shackle of the pixel. Shahada, the prayers, adhkar, um, dhikr, because the more we do dhikr, the more we break that shackle of I'm great, I deserve what I think I deserve, and we see the bigger picture, la ilaha illallah, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, etc. But there's another way, which is really what I wanted to talk about today, but I spent so much time getting here. And there's another way, and that is a very, very simple assignment that I'm assigning to everybody in this room today, including myself. Very simple assignment that I'm assigning to everybody. It's not me that's assigning it. The dean assigns it to everybody in this room, including me. And that is probably something you would never think of, but is so essential, which is to give salam to one another. To give salam to one another. Now, what do you mean give salam to one another? Give salam to one another means that it's the responsibility of every Muslim to ensure that they identify people that they don't know and spread salam in the community by simply turning and shaking their hand and saying, Assalamu alaikum. Brothers and sisters. Brothers are sitting in front of me, the sisters are upstairs, and whoever's going to be listening online, this is brothers and sisters, and we all fail in this. Why do we fail in this? Because we walk into the masjid, and we're just thinking about ourselves. We're so consumed with what's going on in our own head, that a, a, a person that I don't know can sit on my right, another person that I don't know can sit on my left, I've got two opportunities to break the shackle of my being hyperfixated on myself, and I miss both opportunities and don't and fail to say, to say salam to either one or the other. And maybe if I'm lucky, I say salam to the two people that I know and I say salam to every day. But th the reason that you say salam to the person that you say salam to every day is not because for the sake of the deen. It's because that's your that person has already connected you connected with you. Maybe you went to college with that person. Maybe the both of you are from the same country. Maybe you speak the same language. Maybe you know each other from some other domain. That's not, that's not salam. salam. I mean, that is salam, but that's not the ultimate expression of salam. The ultimate expression of salam is to do it only for the sake of Allah, which means what? Which means that I recognize, I look to the right, I say, okay, this person sitting next to me, I don't know their name. I know they come to the masjid, but I don't know their name. This person sitting on this other side of me, I don't know their name. And it's my responsibility to break the shackle of my hyper-focus hyper on myself and actually come out of that shell to have a concern for the person sitting next to me and to ask to, 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 to turn and say, As-salamu alaykum. Now, three important principles concerning salam. First principle. First principle. The very first, one of the very first pieces of advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave upon entering Medina was to give salam. When the Prophet ﷺ entered Medina, obviously it was an amazing event for the time and for the people of Medina. So they were hanging on every single action and word. And we have the descriptions, and we don't have the time to go into detailed descriptions, but what we can say is that one of the very first pieces of advice 
that the Prophet ﷺ gave to the community of Medina. Now, mind you, many of them are not even Muslim at this time. Very first piece of advice was afshus salam. Spread the salam. Spread the salam. Be broad in distributing salam. Now, what's the benefit of salam? Of course, there's many benefits, but essentially what's happening is you're breaking the shackle of being focused on yourself and taking the energy to turn to the person next to you and essentially making a dua for them. When you say, assalamu alaikum, may peace be upon you, or peace be upon you, you're making a dua for them. They make a dua back for you. Wa alaikum assalam. Now, what did you do? You provided two benefits, metaphysically. Benefit number one, you broke your own hyperfixated, you know, this hyperfixation on oneself, and you turned and gave a dua to someone. And at the same time, you pulled them out of their own world and made them turn and give a dua to you. Now, that's just one salam. Every time a person makes salam, they're spreading this salam and broadening perspectives. And when perspectives are broadened, like I said, the greater reality is seen. And eventually that allows and opens up the opportunity to see something much bigger. So that's one important, um, let's say, concept from the sunnah. Another important concept from the sunnah. The Prophet ﷺ said, The instigator of salam is free from pride. The instigator of salam is free from pride. Now, let's go back for a second. What's pride? Pride is me being hyperfixated on myself. The greatest example or the most extreme example of pride was Fir'aun. I am, the, I am your Lord most high. He was so hyperfixated on himself that he deemed himself to be the Lord of all of the people. That's the ultimate extreme example of pride. And all of us have a little Pharaoh inside of us. All of us want to be treated in a special way. Everybody wants to be served. Everybody wants it their way. Everybody wants to, the world to treat them as if they're important. Like, you know, we say everybody wants to be a prince and a princess. Right? But the reality is we have to break that. And one way to break that is by spreading salam. Because the Prophet is giving us the prescription here. The one who begins the salam is free from pride. And the ulama, they explicate that one of the explanations of this hadith is that the, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will alleviate pride from them. But I'm just giving you the metaphysical perspective because what's happening, in order to actually take the energy and to turn to someone and give salam, you have to break your own shackle, right? You have to break the pixel and see the bigger picture. This is an opportunity. I need to spread salam. One, the Prophet said to spread salam. Two, the Prophet told me that if I'm the one that instigates salam, this will free me from pride. And pride, we know. An iota of pride will, not, will, will, will preclude a person from going to Jannah. The Prophet said, a tiny seed, a tiny mustard seed of pride uh, will preclude a person from going to Jannah. So this is point number two concerning Salam. And point number three concerning Salam is that, I mean, there's many points. I'm just making three today. Point number three is another narration of the Prophet where he said, Awla nas billah. Awla nas billah. The 
best of people uh, in the sight of Allah, the best of people according to Allah, is the one who spreads the salam or instigates the salam. So, three benefits. One, it, we're enacting the very foundational principles which established Medina. Two, we're freeing ourselves from pride. Three, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sees the people who instigate and spread the salam as the best of people. So all of us in this room, like, how could it be that we sit down in the masjid, opportunity one comes next to us, opportunity two comes next to us, and we're just thinking about ourselves. That's not the way this world works. That's not the opportunity. But by the way, everything is a test. When opportunity one sits next to me, the question is, do I have the wisdom and the ability to see beyond myself and say, wow, there's an opportunity here. I don't know this person. Let me give them salam. And like I said, the test doesn't lie in saying salam to the same person you say salam to every single day. You didn't do that for the sake of Allah, or maybe you did, but it wasn't the ultimate expression of for the sake of Allah. The opportunity lies when you don't know the person. And I will tell you, there are people who come into, this masjid is a revolving door, okay? You and I come regularly, we make a commitment, we come to Mafal, we, we're, we're relatively committed to our deen. It's a gift from Allah. It's not anything because of us. It's really just a gift from Allah. But there's lots of people that come in this, as a, come in this door as a revolving door. They come in because something goes wrong in their life or they, they, they get some notion in their mind that maybe this is a place where they can find some depth or uh, they wake, awaken to some reality that brings them to the masjid for whatever it might be. When that person comes in the door, they are your and my test. They are your and my test. What, what, what makes me so special that I deserve to be here at whatever consistency I come? No, it's a responsibility. I will be asked about the fact that Allah gave me this blessing of being con relatively consistent in the masjid. That's a responsibility on me. It's not some sort of like crown that I wear on my head. Every brother in this room, every sister in this room who has any degree of consistency in their deen, it's a responsibility. It's not some gift. Which means that every person that enters this house, we become their host. We become their host. That is a responsibility on our shoulder. If somebody walks in that door and walks out and didn't get one, two, five salams, then we failed in making sure that they, were, they could be as comfortable as possible in this place. And who knows, maybe they'll go find it someplace else. They'll say, I went to the store, the clerk, and five other people said hi to me and asked me how my day was. I come to the masjid, these guys are just fixated on themselves, they just look down all the time, nobody asks you even who you are. So who failed? They didn't fail. We, yeah, it's very easy to criticize the world. You don't go to the masjid. You're like this. You're like that. That's the same fixation problem that I started with, right? It's very easy to be so fixated on ourselves that we just criticize the rest of the world. But the responsibility is not that. The responsibility is to ensure that every person that comes in this revolving door, they should have been hit with so many salam that when they leave, they should say, I never felt so welcome as I did when I walked into the center. I never felt so welcome as I did when I walked into the masjid. And it's your and, I, your and my responsibility. It's your and my responsibility. Every person in this room should know the name of every person in this room. And if somebody were to walk into to this gathering and they weren't recognizable, 
we should know that there is somebody new in this place. By the way, I'll give you one simple example. When uh, the angel Jibreel was sent to the gathering of the companions to ask the famous questions, what is Islam, what is Iman, what is Ihsan? Everybody knows this narration. What's, what are they saying in that? What is, what is the narrator, Umar is speaking about the circumstance. What is he saying? He says, this person came in. This person joined the gathering of the Prophet We knew that something unique was happening. How did they identify that this was a unique circumstance? Because number one, none of us recognized him. And number two, he was wearing such white clothing that there's no way he could have been a traveler. So now we, we're, the whole thing starts off a little bit strange. None of us recognized him, but at the same time, he's so pristine that he couldn't have been a traveler. Now, by the way, just stop at this pause at this statement, none of us recognized him. What does that mean? It means that they knew one another. They recognized when someone came who they didn't know. So shouldn't we, in this tiny, relatively tiny gathering, and we're talking about that gathering, in this relatively tiny gathering, your 100 people, 150, let's say, people sitting here, I mean, shouldn't we recognize when a brother or a sister walks in? And honestly, even that simple salam might attach them to the masjid. And it might even more, just as important, it might free me from pride. It might free me from pride, which is like this battle that I've had, you know, I'm battling this demon for decades uh, of thinking that I'm some sort of special person, that I'm a prince, everybody needs to treat me like a prince, I'm a princess, why doesn't the world bow to me like a princess? So, I mean, how are we going to cure these diseases? We're going to cure these diseases by embedding the deen in our lives. And salam is an essential component to that. It's a spirit, it's a type of dhikr. I can just tell you outright, it's a type of dhikr, it's an exercise. Continuously spreading salam. This is a responsibility that falls upon every one of our shoulders. Every one of our shoulders. It should never be that I turn and I look at a person on my right, or I look at a person on my left, and I haven't met that person before. Now, if I know them, alhamdulillah, salam alaikum, how are you doing, wa alaikum salam. But I should be scanning the, the room. Every one of us should be scanning the room like bees. You know bees? They're finding every single plant that they can pollinate. They're looking for every opportunity to be able to pick up pollen. Muslims are the same way. Particularly Muslims who are trying and working to spiritually advance themselves to remove pride and remove these diseases. They're looking for every opportunity to give salam. Why? Because it's a chance to, number one, embed this foundational advice that the Prophet ﷺ gave when he was establishing Medina. Number two, it's an opportunity to remove, remove pride. Number three, it's an opportunity to be among the best in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So like, of course, we should be clamoring for the opportunity to give every person salam that we can, especially when I don't know the person, they're from a different culture, they might be a new Muslim, they might be somebody, they may not even be Muslim, they may just be coming in here to check out the place, they might be somebody who just comes here very rarely or never has come before, that's the opportunity of a lifetime, that's the diamond in the, jewel, in the jewelry shop. Because again, like I said, if I give salam to my friend, I'm doing it because he's my friend. Yes, there's Islam there. Uh, there's the notion that he's Muslim, I'm Muslim, she's Muslim, uh, I'm Muslim. There, all that notion is there. But the truest manifestation occurs at the time when there's nothing else driving me except Allah. Except Allah. That should be what drives us.
And that's the greatest opportunity. So among all of the assignments that we give, you know, the reminders of prayer, the reminders of pahara, the reminders to maintain routine, the reminders to be consistent in the masjid, this is an essential reminder. We are machines that spread peace everywhere. As-salam. We're spreading salam everywhere. We greet as many people as we can. It takes us out of this fixation upon ourselves, causes us to break a little shackle, not be so caught up in my own thoughts, caught up in my own world, but actually turn to make a du'a for someone else. And subhanAllah, what does it do? It lifts them up and causes them to be to lose focus on themselves and instead turn and make a du'a for me as well. And all of us are in need of such du'as. So, simple reminder for myself. SubhanAllah, it took so much time that we have no time for the rest of the program. But anyway, simple reminder for myself and reminder for all of us that we are spreaders of sanat. We should take every opportunity to distribute sanat. We should be consistent in giving sanat. We should seek, we should seek the people who, who are new and there should be like a, everyone's trying to give sanat. That's the sign of a community. Without that, we'll just be stuck in our own, we'll just be you know, stuck in the same rut. We'll be stuck in ourselves and we'll be stuck as a community and we'll be stuck as a you know, masjid center, etc. So this is like a piece of advice that's foundational to what we're trying to achieve. And it's a mechanism by which we take and carry some of the responsibility placed on our shoulder. It's, it's, this is something all of us can do. You don't need any level of education. You don't need to be an alim to be able to answer some deep uh, fiqhi question and you know, spiritually trained so that you can like, guide the person. No, every one, every one of us is a, is, a, is a qualified Muslim who can easily distribute as much salam as possible. And all of us should make that effort. Wa akhirat a'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.